Registry Matters is an independent production. The opinions and ideas here are that of the host and do not reflect the opinions of any other organization. If you have problems with these thoughts, FYP. Baruch Atadonoi. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, that's the wrong podcast. Recording live from FYP Studios East and West, transmitting across the internet. This is episode 285 and not Hanukkah Matters. It's Registry Matters. How are you, sir? Doing awesome. Glad to be back with you. So, you may not realize this, but I grew up Jewish, and tonight's the second or third night of Hanukkah. I can't remember which one it is. And it's interesting that you do something almost uh, like every year we would light the Hanukkah candles and we would go through and do the, the prayer or whatever. And... So for the first maybe 14 years, I mean, I wouldn't have been doing it at the ages of one, two, so maybe like 10 years of my youth, and then for eight nights straight. I have this prayer, all three of them memorized, and I haven't done them since I was 14 or 15, and they're still in my noodle. That Explain is, that to me. That is a very long time. Now, we're talking about a good, what, 60 years? Close to it. I'm, I'm not quite as old as you, but in my youth, I was very young. I would tend to think I could agree with that. <laughs> I did the whole bar mitzvah and everything, Larry. Okie dokie. All right. Well, with all of that passed aside, what are we doing this evening? Oh, you forgot your lines about uh, podcast apps on YouTube. Uh, and, and, yeah. Okay. And press, so press, and press like the like. And, and twelve. Go ahead. You got it. Twelve star reviews and all that stuff. I'm. I'm not good enough to do all that. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Make sure that you press like and subscribe and get the notification bell. Feed that algorithm because it's a very hungry one. It'll tell everyone else to like it also. And then if you can become a patron, that would be phenomenal. And if, all, if, if what you can do is leave a five-star review, that would also be amazing and much appreciated. And spread the word. Look, our people are trying to hide for the most part. Hey, look, Will is here. That's unusual. Um... Our people are generally trying to hide, so if you encounter them, perhaps at the PFR office or in treatment, tell them that we exist, and maybe we can provide some assistance and support to them as well. And happy holidays! Well, thank so, you. So, what are we doing tonight? And Will hasn't been here for so long, I didn't even know he was still alive. Oh, he's only here because we're going to be talking about, I think, something that relates to him. Maybe. I see. So, what are we doing tonight? Well, not very much. <laughs> <laughs> We have a question from one of our very loyal patrons, and it's complicated to me, so I had to do research. It deals with due process, and I did a little research to make sure that when I'm trying to explain it, I don't botch it too badly. And uh, we have a longer segment coming on a woman who was arrested in the great state of Georgia on the beach. And uh, you sent this to me. I wouldn't have found it. And you suggested it might be funny, and my warped sense of funny, and I looked at it, and it is definitely funny, but sad. <laughs> and uh, But we can use it as an opportunity to reiterate the importance and consequences of talking to the police and not talking to the police. And we have a brief segment from Maryland. We have some articles, and then I did some mischief on behalf of Narsal in terms, uh -oh. of, in terms of the Dan Bongino radio show. And, I have no uh, idea who that is. And uh, so we're going to talk about that and go into a little bit of detail. Uh, I don't have anything but a link to the uh, Narsal posting, but my fingerprints are all over that because I put it together. 
I see. Even though you're not the one that signed it, I believe? It was signed by the director of communications and it was on behalf of the board of directors. But yes, uh, I put the content together largely a big part of it. And, and then the communications director edited it and, and uh, submitted it and made it all pretty and toned it down just a tad bit from, uh, I had a, <laughs> I'm a little bit uh, higher strung on what I would have said to Mr. Bongino. I see. And, and just, I mean, she probably was in there and also maybe correcting any misspellings because, I mean, you did finger frack of a, a, a close friend, a mutual friend of ours in the script for tonight. That's because I was doing it in the, in the uh, word pad and it, there was no spell check, a notepad or one of those things. <laughs> do you really do it there? I do some of it there because I, I can't figure out how to make the spacing right in the Google Docs. I end up with double space, triple space, quadruple space and all sorts of spacing issues. So I, I sometimes take things that are not looking right and put it in notepad to, to strip out all the formatting then I put it back in here. Wow. Okay, we may have to have a conversation one day on just one or two keyboard shortcuts that would make your life a lot easier. I've been trying to tell you that for six years now. You use this Google junk and, and it's more difficult, but I try to work with it to try to accommodate my partner. I see. Uh, okay, anywho. All right, so the first thing on the list is um, before we get going, I understand. So, th so this is the letter that you worked with with the communication director. Who is this? Dan Bongino individual. But he has a syndicated talk show and he fills the time slot that was previously held by Ruff, Rush Limbaugh. That's what I thought. Okay, okay, okay. And many of the same stations that carried Rush carried Dan, but not all. He has fewer affiliates on his uh, list than, than Rush Limbaugh did. But he is a very mean, vile, disgusting individual. But I listen to him five days a week, at least a portion of his show, because I need to know the latest gobbledygook of conspiracy theories and nonsense that are coming out. And he comes up with some doozies. And uh, so he was talking just a, a couple days ago about the college presidents that were testifying before a House Judiciary Committee, I believe it was, and a Congress lady named Liz something uh, was asking about uh, could, if a person attending the University of Pennsylvania were to call for the uh, expungement and annihilation of Jews, would that violate the UPenn Code of Conduct? And she said it was situational, it could, but it would be fact specific. And Dan just went ballistic. He said that, uh, he agreed with the uh, Congresswoman, he said that was a straight yes or no answer. And he said, anybody who cannot condemn folks who call for the destruction of a group of people or harm to a group of people, he said that that's just disgusting. Now, I listened to Dan enough to know that he hates sex offenders and he hates everything about sex offenders. And he believes the Democrat Party coddles and cradles and treats sex offenders with kid gloves and is for sex offenders being turned loose on society. I know that. But what I wanted to do was try to illustrate his hypocrisy, because he says that anybody who calls for destruction of a group of people, that something ought to be done about it. So there's bumper stickers out there that said shoot that say shoot a deer, save a you know save a uh, shoot a sex offender, save a deer, uh, shoot a sex offender. Uh, there's 
uh, advertisements out there uh, uh, target a sex offender. They can't defend themselves. They don't have guns. So we challenged Mr. Bongino to condemn that because according to his, what he says he believes, then it would be very inconsistent for him not to condemn that. So we sent an open letter to him saying that we would be delighted to have our executive director appear with him and for him to condemn those who target sex offenders. Now we know he's not going to do that. The letter will probably never make it past his staff. But if it did make it to him and he did decide to take up the letter, he would be very con condemning of Narsal. He would call, call Narsal a pedophile advocacy that's all about abuse of children. And I know what he would do, but that would still be okay because he has millions of millions of listeners in the course of a week. So if he cho chose to respond, Narsal would get more publicity than we could ever hope to afford if, of we, were, if we were paying for it. So, But we know he's not going to do it. But my sinister motivation was to hope that I could illuminate to some of the audience that believes that conservatives are our salvation, that he's not our salvation. Neither is neither are the liberals. There was a person who posted on Twitter, I think, or somewhere that Sandy told me about that said that uh, Geraldo Rivera is often uh, speaking on behalf of underdogs. And maybe we ought to reach out to Geraldo Rivera. He's a little bit more liberal. He's not going to do anything either, folks. The economics of how American broadcasting and media, whether it be traditional media, whether it be YouTube, whether it be you know, the, the modern media, it works on having a popular position and feeding people what they want to hear. And our business model doesn't usually work very well in telling people what they don't want to hear. I mean, there was a congressman in, in Wyoming named Liz Cheney. She tried that. I've heard of her. Yes. She has a book out recently. Yes. She's been on the interview circuit quite a bit lately. And, uh, you know, she was the, uh, uh, she was in a key leadership position. I forget what position she held in the, in the House of Representatives, but she was, she was not just a regular member and they dumped her like a hot potato. Uh, you know, but, but anyway, we, we're not going to get any traction from, from the media on our side. We're just not. Our business model in America does not provide for that. So you, you can't win that battle going out and advocating for a group of unpopular sex offenders. You know, I never, I, I realized that this is sort of a tangent. I didn't understand how you would question her credentials, considering who her father is and what she voted for, et cetera, to then throw her out of office. I, I, I really just struggled on how they would justify their, uh, what's the word, uh, flipping on her, uh, I can't think of the word that I want to say of, of them turning on her. Well, I don't know why you don't understand it. What do you not understand? <laughs> she did. Uh, she wanted to uphold the Constitution <laughs> and wanted to certify the election and to stop the right. charade about uh, election fraud. It, 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 she didn't. She didn't go along with the Kool-Aid drinkers. I don't know why that's hard to understand. Okay, it's not hard to understand. It's hard to understand still. Well, you just say, said two different things. You're saying it's not hard to understand, and you're saying, which is it? Is it not hard to understand, or is it hard to understand? It's, maybe it's not hard to understand, but hard to believe. Okay, that, that makes sense. Or accept, maybe. Well, that, that I can relate to, because I've had these conversations with you privately about, I never thought I'd live to see the day that I've, the days I've seen in all my life of what people accept now. Back in the Nixon administration, we would never have thought about keeping a person in office who was far less crooked 
than recent occupants, including possibly the one that's in there today, or in terms of what's beginning to, to come, come out on, on him and his family. I never would have thought I would see the day that, that such behavior would be rationalized and look overlooked, but this is where we are. Here we are. Now, before we run off every listener, Larry, Larry, I was looking through the Patreon comments. There is an exit survey, and somebody said, we've gone too far away from talking about PFR issues onto subjects that they don't want to listen to. And now I don't know what those subjects are, but I'm just going to take a gander that this might be one of them. It very well could be. So we'll move along to a question from a very long time and very generous patron. And it says, hi, Andy. I have a question, and I hope Larry can answer on one of the podcasts. What is the difference between substantive due process rights and procedural due process rights? And uh, I came across Larry, I said I was reading this case, and the court made this distinction. Substantive due process rights independent of their procedural due process rights. And that's from Hitt versus McLean, number 19-5044-10, Fifth Circuit, May 11th of 2021. So, well, I understand why she struggles because I generally struggle with that as well. So I decided to do a little research. I wouldn't go too far off the rails. And uh, and due process is apparently provided under the 5th and 14th Amendments. And procedural due process addresses uh, which legal procedures are required to be followed in state proceedings. For example, uh, you would be provided with notice, an opportunity uh, to be heard, confrontation and cross-examination of witnesses, discovery rights, a right to a written basis of decision, and possibly even availability of appointed counsel. Those type, those things are procedural in nature. So if a state's going to bring a, bring a proceeding against you, they have to provide you procedural due process. You can't just be summoned to court one day, they don't tell you anything about why you're coming, and they say, are you ready to proceed? And you say, well, no, I don't really know why I'm here. They say, well, you should have been ready. Let's go call your first witness or whatever. So so, you, so these are things that are required for the process to be fair. Does that make sense so far? Kind of, sort of, yeah. So, and then you get into substantive due process. And you're not so much looking at the procedure, but you're looking at the law itself and the action of the state that they're taking and whether or not they can actually do the things that they're wanting to do. And those uh, specific subject areas, for example, may, might do with liberty or privacy. And uh, so substantive due process is used to determine if the action or prohibition itself is unconstitutional. It would be kind of analogous to a facial challenge. You know, when I talk about a facial challenge, I say a statute, it would be facially unconstitutional if there's no set of circumstances which the, the action could be taken. But a state may enact a statute that in and of itself violates substantive due process. And I Googled up some uh, examples and I had to take out Roe versus Wade because it's now been overturned. But according to my research, examples would include the right to privacy, specifically like contraceptives, and that was covered in Griswold versus Connecticut in 1965. The right to marry a person of a different race, that was Loving versus Virginia in 1967, back in those damn liberal pointy-headed heyday of the Warren Court. 
and then uh, and then the, the right to marry an individual of the same sex that was more recently and i can't even pronounce that as a, a, a that case a burgerfeld uh versus hughes and from 2015 but that court was far more liberal than what we have today you know we had justice stevens still alive we had justice uh oh what's his name uh, uh, uh but anyway there scalia was, no, no, he was he was not on the he was not on that he was not on that uh, side of that. But uh, Justice Kennedy, and we had uh, you know conservative judges that were much more in the mainstream than what those conservative judges are today. So those would be some examples of of substantive due process. You know, there's just something the state can't do. Now, some of those decisions are under threat. I don't think that we're going to see anything in the way of Loving versus Virginia being overturned. And I'm thinking possibly that uh, I just say a Burgerfell. I think that was Burgerfell. I think that one's probably safe, but you don't know. But I think the Griswold versus Connecticut is, is under attack. You know, they're trying to do everything they can to stop contraceptives. You know, we need we need more uh, control over uh, women's lives in terms of they need to be forced to bear children. I don't Without know. A doubt. I don't know why you don't understand that. Uh, Larry, what I want to know is literally if it were 1967 and I were going to marry someone that is not Caucasian, and I mean, that's such a loose term even now, but let's just say that the person was black. That's against the law and one of us or both of us are going to jail. I don't know if they ever put anybody in jail, but theoretically they didn't issue the marriage certificate. Why does that highlight keep going across the screen a hundred times? On because I keep highlighting it. Cause I'm like flabbergasted that that's literally a thing that happened saying that uh, the right to marry a person of a different race. Well, it had to be litigated. It had to go all the way up to the Supreme court. So, uh, so somebody at some, uh, whatever uh, county clerk, whatever. And I say, hi, I'm going to get married. And I walk in and they're like, oh my God, this is uh, the awful N word. No, you can't have it. I don't know why you're so shocked. It wasn't that many years ago that a county, a, a county clerk got put in prison, in a, a oh, jail for refusing to issue a same-sex marriage after the court. She said, I ain't going to do that down here in Tennessee or wherever it was. It's not that long I ago. Know. I know. I know. And they're still trying to fight that issue. So, I know. It, it, it bothers me deeply. So, uh, well, uh I don't know. There shouldn't be shocking. Our country has done some very uh, strange stuff through our history. Uh, without a doubt. Without a doubt that we will not ever like acknowledge and agree to that we have done some pretty shady shit. And then we're like, no, we're the best country. Maybe we are the best country in the world, but that's still some shady shit that we've done. We and have, continue to do. But see, you got to understand, if you talk about any of that stuff, you're unpatriotic. Do you not understand that? <laughs> If you talk about how to try to make our country better, that makes you unpatriotic. All right, Deanna. Well, that's the answer to your question, and I hope that helps you. It was pretty much clear as mud, Larry. Well, I'm glad I could be very helpful. <laughs> All right. Well, then, to move over to, quote, unquote, the Maryland issue, and this is from Brenda in Maryland. And she goes on to write, one of our members received a disturbing email from a reporter from the Baltimore Sun doing an article about abuse in the Catholic Church. She says she is going to publish my name in the article. We are both hopping mad. If she has her story straight, they're publishing over 100 names of absolutely any, at least former, Catholic 
Ma uh, Marylander. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, absolutely any, at least former, Catholic Marylander, uh, like the state of Maryland, uh, probably in an authority role at the time, who has been accused of sexual abuse at any time. Theoretically, even if they were never sentenced. He is nicely asking her what the deadline is to get a response in and whether they are posting just what he was convicted of or his dismissed accusations as well. I intend to contact the Sun and the reporter on behalf of which FAIR, which is the Narsal affiliate, which is uh, FAIR and, oh my God, I can't, God, why, you know, don't ever try to think while you're doing a podcast. I freaking help them with their website. Uh, uh, anyway, FAIR. And would love to be able to point out any legal problems with this grand plan of the Baltimore Suns. I can handle all the collateral damage to families and others who are just uh, trying to quietly move on with their lives. But is this violating any constitutional or civil rights? Especially if someone was never even convicted. And that is by Brenda Jones, executive director. So what do you say to that? I'm going to go look up what FAIR means. I'll tell you, it's Families Advocating Intelligent ah. Registries. Thank you so very much. Families advocating intelligent registries. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, there's really nothing to see here. The uh, press has the full protection of the U.S. Constitution. It's kind of like the uh, Second Amendment. Of, you know, we can't touch anything to do with uh, weapons, and uh, there's very little leeway to restrict the press's actions. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I thought the conservatives were fighting mad about various platforms such as YouTube restricting what can be said on their platforms. Am I, am I, not, am I remembering correctly or not? Oh, they, they, yeah, they're all over anything that's social media saying that it's a lefty propaganda and yeah, they censor the right. Totally. Okay, but okay, but if we are, if we're fighting mad about a, a, a company restricting what's being said on its platform. Can we tell a newspaper what it can and cannot publish? I, I, I believe there are limits. I mean, they're, they're like, you know, national security interests that they shouldn't publish. But as far as the names of people, God, that seems really sketchy, Larry. I mean, that's doxing people, especially if they haven't been convicted. If it were public record. Well, if they've been arrested and charges were dismissed like that one that Brenda was referring to he was asking if it was just going to be the convicted charges or the dismissed charges that is in fact a public record it did happen that he was charged with those crimes should the press be restricted saying that they can't report something that is a historical event I, I see all of the sketchy ground here. It seems like this would be an editorial decision to go, eh, maybe we'll just use like initials. Maybe we'll just use first names. Don't go around doxing people. Well, I agree with you, but then that puts it back into the hands of the private sector, which is what I'm trying to draw the hypocrisy out. That's what YouTube and these platforms are doing. They're using their discretion and it's driving the conservatives over the edge. And sure. now magically you're saying, that you would like for them to use discretion, and well, now which is it? I want to have all of my cake, and I want to eat it too. <laughs> so, uh, but from a legal perspective, I don't know that there's anything that can be done. From a moral perspective, I find it objectionable completely that a person can never go on with their life, but you know what we would have to do is something we're not willing to do, we're not willing to have a conversation about the Second Amendment to see if maybe after 250 years of our existence or whatever it is that we ought to rethink 
whether it should be as absolute as it's been interpreted to be. And we would have to rethink about the right of, of the freedom of the press and its protections and whether it should be in any way modified. And if so, what the restrictions would be, how would they be monitored? What would the process be? Because you've got to be very careful when you start restricting the press. That's how authoritarian dictatorships survive is when they can curtail what people have the right to know. So we got to be Absolutely. careful. We got to be careful when we go down that path. And but I'm just pointing out the hypocrisy here. You know, I'm hearing that the, the media platform here in the case you said that there ought to be some editorial discretion where they would do controlling like maybe initials or maybe not uh, unconvicted charges they wouldn't report. But that's their prerogative to do that. It's also their prerogative not to do that. Sure. Man, I agree. I'm with you. <sighs> um, so Brenda did then follow up with the reporter and she stated, I got no response to my letter to her. She was responsive to our PFR member. I'm not particularly surprised by that. Uh, whatever the, Brenda wrote and I didn't see it, but I, I would imagine that it was very direct and blunt and it was asking for what valid benefit could be derived. Some of these people are dead. I think they were talking about going back to 1940. So you're talking about if you, re, or that's what, 85 years 80. ago? Yeah, yep. 83 years ago. You're talking about people that are dead. They've, they're probably very minimal threat if, they're, if they've deceased. And I just don't understand the benefit. But it's a business model that needs to be fed. And folks, you got to understand that. When get hired to run a newspaper, they're telling you to get circulation numbers up so advertising revenue will go up so that the business will survive. They're not telling you, well, we want to concentrate on being the most moral newspaper there is. They're concentrating on trying to stay in business. And it's make, called make, if it bleeds, it leads. <laughs> and if, uh, that would mean we would have to have some discussion about whether our unlimited press should have limitations. And I don't think we're ready for that. I don't think we are. <sighs> All right, then. Uh, let's move over to this feature event, uh, if you want to call it that, or main event. Do you want to set it up? I didn't realize this was in Georgia, first of all. Not at all. Yeah, I think it flashed on the beginning of the video, Georgia. But some of the gurus out there that are smarter than I am can uh, help us try to figure out particularly what jurisdiction in Georgia we'd like to try to track the case. So if you can enhance the video and figure out the uh, agency by the badge, by the uh, insignia on the uniforms and stuff, that would be helpful to us. I know we got some great brains out there that know how to do stuff that I don't know how to do. Um, and then maybe scroll through the comments. But what happened was this video came to me with, is this funny? And I watched it <laughs> and, and I'm always sending you stuff, which most of the time you ignore when I say, you got to admit this is funny because nothing's ever funny that I send you. But I agreed that in my warped sense of funny, this is funny because we did, what, about a five-episode series about not talking to the police we a, did. a couple of years back? And we, yes. had, we had a fast-talking law professor where we played him giving lectures about the disadvantages to talking to the police. And this case, if this woman had not talked to the police she would be in a far different position today. And I'm not going to sit here and say she wouldn't have got arrested. There's a very good chance she still would have got arrested. But we're going to dig into what would have happened, how it, things would have gone down 
had she handled it differently and the posture she's placed herself in by talking versus the posture she would have been in had she not talked. And I don't know, are you going to play the whole thing or just parts of it? It's like three minutes. It's three. And I think towards the end of it, I think we can start cutting it out. But uh, we, we need to go through at least like one or two sections. So I'm going to start from the beginning where they have their encounter and then we'll, we'll have some conversations about her responses and whatnot. Sure. So hopefully all, everything's in alignment and ready to go. Is that too loud? A little bit loud, yeah. All right. Let's turn that down a hair. All right. Let's try that again. Can we speak to you for a second? We'll get you over there. Go ahead and bring your stuff. Yeah, can I ask what the problem is? All right, so someone called us. We got multiple calls about you. About something pertaining on the beach. Yes. Were you supposed to be, were you doing something you weren't supposed to be doing? It's a little bit too low now. Oh, God, man, you can't, I can't please you for nothing. Like, what were you doing on the beach? Like, prior to coming here? Good. Prior to coming here? There was nobody, I was just sitting on my town, nobody was around me. Okay, and you were over at the beach? Like, I was, I was near the water. Near the water? Yeah. Okay. What did I do? What did I do? So apparently you're... Okay. So <laughs> they're trying to... So for those of you that are just listening, they're trying to delicately dance around so that she was sitting in like the restaurant, uh, the beachside bar, and they called her out to what's essentially like the dunes on the beach. And they're asking, there's a cop kind of like standing behind her, a female cop standing behind her. And then the one with the body cam footage that we're watching there in front of her asking her questions. And she has... At least the way I'm looking at it, Larry. She has a very puzzled look on her face of like, what in the F are you guys asking me about? And she's, I, I think she's kind of maintaining her cool at this point. Would you I, agree? I agree. She was doing really well up to that point. And I don't remember the point where it started deteriorating, but she was doing it. It's about to. It's, she was doing exactly what she should have done up to that point. So yeah, she's, she's about to, because they're about to tell her what she was doing. Now, and let me also trigger warning and prison censor warning. There are some words here that maybe for some sensitive ears, it might be a problem. And like nothing really that graphic. They're just going to use the, the blunt terms of what's going on. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair. Okay. To continue along. Masturbating on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> She has the most puzzled look on her face. And if you didn't hear what they said, they said that she was doing something naughty on the beach with herself. Okay. And she's just like, seriously. Who saw that? I mean, a couple people. No, they Even that one, Larry, she said, who saw that? That's almost admitting guilt. That is not a, an appropriate response. But uh, when she said who saw it, she should have said, no one could have possibly seen that. If she was going to engage the cops, the, the thing to do would be to say, deny, deny, deny. But she said, yeah. who saw that? Right. That's almost like tacitly admitting it. All right. And then, but then she comes back and denies it. But she's also then going to blame it on all of her friends as being a prank. That's, that's not true. Why would they call us? Nobody, nobody was around. It was an anonymous call. Is yeah. this one of my buddies? Okay. No, one of my buddies. No, it's, it's not one of it's a family. Okay, look, let me sh uh, let me show you what I did. Okay. So okay. Now, so now she's moving around and she's gonna like actually like sit down on the beach and demonstrate how she was sitting. Is there anything I... in the bag? No. Is right if I look through? I mean, if you can open it and 
Can I see the contents inside the bag? Yes. Tell me, tell me about like Fourth Amendment protection. So they're asking if if she can open it so they can see inside. And at that point, she should have said absolutely not. Um, but doesn't that put you under suspicion, threat, whatever that they're going to then? detain you for whatever reasons like she's still walking she's walking around with a bottle of beer they told her to bring it but she's walking around with a bottle of beer so couldn't they like detain her for not being around the bar property with a beer i doubt it if they're the reason why she's not in the bar uh, properly if they brought her out i doubt that but uh when when they ask her can they look in her property remember you have an absolute right to privacy in your person and in your home and in your vehicle and she should have said absolutely not you cannot look in there and and just to go in the other direction though if they believe that she had something of the four letter word that begins with a b and ends in b then they would have some level of public protection to intervene i'm not seeing that based on the complaint that was leveled she no, was... no 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 i'm just saying i'm just like to go in in a different direction if they believe that she had an explosion thing then they would have the right to intervene i'm not seeing that if they believe it that she that they i mean there could be an exigent circumstance where they could open that bag but in this okay. scenario right now there's no, absolutely... no, no, no. i know i'm, I'm yeah. with you yeah yeah no. not not in this scenario okay well we'll continue so I don't know. I don't really understand what y'all are. We're, I... we're just here because someone called and we're this, very concerned. Okay, this uh, is really highly offensive to me. I, I got it. I got you. And that's why I'm trying to figure it's it a, out. It's my yeah. vibrator, but I just put it in my... I was sitting on the beach and I just... just... <laughs> now, now she's admitting everything, Larry. <laughs> yeah, so at this point, at this point, they don't necessarily need to see in the bag because she's told them. She's given them confirmation of what the anonymous caller, they're not anonymous calls, she's given them confirmation of what they were called to address. She's first said no one saw anything, and then she's confirmed that she has that device in the bag that they're asking to see. Now, at this point, they have enough evidence to begin to build a case, but keep going. Are you a first-time listener of Registry Matters? Well, then make us a part of your daily routine and subscribe today. Just search for Registry Matters through your favorite podcast app, hit the subscribe button, and you're off to the races. You can now enjoy hours of sarcasm and snark from Andy and Larry on a weekly basis. Oh, and there's some excellent information thrown in there, too. Subscribing also encourages others of you people to get on the bandwagon and become regular Registry Matters listeners. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to Registry Matters right now. Help us keep fighting and continue to say F-Y-P. Oh, I was done. I was like, there's no, I don't think we need to do anything more because... Like she, she admits the rest of, I don't really want to play the words, Larry, because of the transcription and censors. She says she did it and got it done. Yes, she did. But she did say that she had engaged in the action that had been described by the phone caller. Right. To the, to the police and that uh, she had, she had done that. So at this point they have, they have her voluntary admission that she has engaged in an indecent act 
on a public beach. And I'm fairly certain that that's against the laws of the state of Georgia. <laughs> so uh, I don't think you can engage in that in public. Would you tend to agree with that? I'm pretty sure that's going to be off the, the limits. They're not that liberal of a state to let you go walking around doing those things to yourself. So, so at this at this point, based on what she gave the police, they went from having uh, a report of criminality and a, a beginning of an investigation to having a full confession voluntarily given by a person who arguably may have been free to leave and may have not been free to leave because that's where you need to be Mirandized had, when you're in a custodial interrogation. If a person, uh, law enforcement is going to interrogate you, they don't have to place you under arrest. People have this misnomer that they have to place you under arrest. There's a couple of things that we'll digress with in terms of an interrogation. The police do not have to Mirandize you just because they arrest you. If they're going to take you straight to jail, ask you no questions, they've already got an open and shut case, and all they're going to do is book you, there's no danger of you incriminating yourself whatsoever because they're not intended to ask you a single question other than just your basic name, date of birth, and stuff like that. They aren't going to ask you anything. So they don't need to Mirandize you. But in her situation, the test will be, was she free to leave that and disengage at any time? I think it's a it's a close call when you got two officers standing around you. Would a reasonable person think they're free to go? I'm going to go with no. Okay, well then, when she gave her voluntary confession, then as a defense attorney, I'm going to be looking at that video very carefully as a defense attorney's assistant. I'm going to be looking at that very carefully. And I'm going to ask her a lot about her education. I'm going to ask her if she understands the English language. She appears to. I'm going to ask her if she has any learning disabilities, anything that would preclude her from understanding that she was free to go or not free to go and make sure that she has the ability to analyze the situation uh, intelligently. And I'm going to say, look, now we can make a motion to suppress your confession. But that only gets us partway where we're trying to go because we, we've got to suppress your admission, but we've also got to suppress the evidence. Remember what they said they found? Oh, yeah, they, they, go, they have... The, <laughs> towards the end of it, one of the officers says, you're going to have to go through and inventory every item. It's a bullet device is what they call it. A what? A, a bullet. It's a little... It's a, like the size of a finger, Larry. It's tiny. Oh, I don't know. It's what, very small. Okay, well, I, I don't know anything about that, but but they <laughs> they uh, when you place a person under a lawful arrest, which I would consider on the surface of this, this appears to be a lawful arrest. You have a person who has admitted to felonious behavior. I think that uh, that would be a, a, an exposure of an aggravated nature, and it would probably be a felony in, in the state of Georgia. So you've got a person who's admitted to committing a felony. So she was placed under arrest. At that point, they could have lawfully searched the, the backpack and her possessions because they need to inventory a car or anything that's in your possession, correct? You know what an inventory search is, right? Uh, if, when they do the search, they inventory that stuff so your property can be protected 
and return to you. So at this point, so I tell her, I tell her, well, you know, we can move to suppress this and we're going to force the prosecutor to do some work. And when we move for the suppression of your confession, we've still got a, what was a lawful arrest. And that's going to get to be an ugly, stinky argument because if I'm the prosecution, I'm going to say, well, the, the inventory search was very lawful and so was the arrest. I mean, she, <laughs> she, she made the co confession and the inventory reflected consistent with what the witnesses had told us. If, as a prosecutor, if I have to do all of that work fighting this, I have very little incentive to offer her a sweet deal. Meaning a sweet deal would be something that would keep her off the sex offender registry, give her a probated sentence, and hopefully maybe a, an expungement or at least a sealing of the record because she looks fairly young and this is not something you'd want to deal with for the rest of your life. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out as a strategist which way we can go with this in terms of getting the best outcome from her. She has a very weak case in terms of a defense. Did you, because she said she had it and did it. She, she basically gave the state a very strong case against her. So therefore, I'm in a weakened position trying to get an outcome that's favorable to her because of her own behavior. Now, let's just say that she had told him no. Let's play this. Uh, we don't need to play it again, but sure. let's play this through. Uh, if she had said, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, right. She, uh, well, you, a witness said that you did something that was uh, unlawful. Well, what did the witness say? Yeah. Well, the, the witness said you did what they described. I, I didn't do any such thing. I don't know why anybody would tell a lie like that. And, uh, well, they seen you do it. Well, then if they saw me do it, I think you're probably going to need to call them over here and have them identify me because I don't know anything about what they're talking about. And I'm going to argue exactly. about I'm going to argue about mistaken identity. How far away were this with these witnesses? Well, I don't know that because we just got the phone call. I haven't interviewed the witnesses yet. Well, you need to go interview the witnesses. But I have no idea what you're talking about. And I'd really like to be on my way. Am I free to go? Well, at that point, they're going to say no. They're going to say no. You're not free to go. We got an open investigation here. <laughs> and one of the officers is going to go over and talk to the try to find the person who made the phone call. You know, they'll have dispatch call them back or they'll try to make contact with them. And they're going to ask them, are you willing to come over here and identify this person? And that witness is going to say, no, I don't want to get involved. Or they're going to say, I'd be damn glad to. This is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yes. We don't know We don't know what that witness is going to say or if, they ever, if they're even still there at this point. We don't know any of that. But if the witness is no longer, when dispatch tries to call them, and they don't answer their phone because a lot of people have the same file, policy you do. We don't answer incoming calls. So at some point, they've got to end this investigation. And they would have to take her name and let her go. I mean, they can't hold her there uh, on the beach indefinitely. So they would have to round up a witness, have them come over and make an identification. And then they'd have to check with their command staff and see if the identification is enough uh, to, to arrest her. I cannot begin to opine whether that would have been enough because... If I'm in command staff, I'm going to ask them, how far away was this witness? Do they seem credible? And, uh, you know, we, we're getting ready to, to uh, refer a felony prosecution for a sexually type offense. You know, is this witness credible? So I'm, I'm going to make sure that we have at least a decent witness 
I can't say that's what that command staff would do, but that's what I would do is make sure we've got a halfway decent case. And it gets, it gets more dicier than that. Suppose on the beach, as we discussed in pre-show, most times people don't visit their own beaches. There's a good chance that she was from out of state or at least out of the local area. And there's a really good chance that the person there may have been from Idaho. Right. Well, if I'm the prosecution, <laughs> and I've got this case and the person, the witness, my star witness, I don't have the confession to work with. I have just that witness testimony and that person's in Idaho and I'm going to have to spend two, three thousand dollars <laughs> for travel and, and lodging arrangements. I'm, I'm going to think about offering a sweetheart deal, which would be like the defense attorney. If I'm the defense attorney, I'm going to say, look, you know, I think I can talk my client into pleading on this if you give me what I need, which is a non-sex offense, non-registrable offense. I don't know what we'd have to plead it to, but we have to get something that's non-registrable and we have to get some sort of adjudication where that this will not follow her for the rest of her life. And I think I can convince her to enter a plea and she'll get treatment and she, you know, everything, everything will be fine. But you're in a much stronger position to negotiate that deal with a prosecutor if that witness is witness or witnesses are from another state because of the expense involved. They don't really need those witnesses at this point because you can rest assured when they took her back to the station and they sent detectives in to take her statement, you can rest assured she signed a statement. They all do because they told her, well, you know, we, we want to get this all cleared up and things will go a whole lot easier on you if you just tell us what happened. And so she's probably given them a written statement about she was all stressed out and you know she was relieved i forget what she said about stress but didn't she say something about she was stressed toward the end <laughs> of the day she was stressed so she just kind of <laughs> i have a statement that i want to say but i'm not going to say it so 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 the whole dynamics of that case would have been different i think the, there's at least a 50 50 or better chance they would have arrested her anyway had they been able to make contact with the complaining person who made made the initiation initiated the phone call i think they probably would have still put her in handcuffs but she would be in a far stronger position today she's in a very poor position today now she's at the mercy of finding an attorney who's well enough connected with the prosecution in that particular jurisdiction that they're willing to show mercy on her and what if they don't find such a prosecution, a prosecutor within that uh, within that prosecution? What happens if the district attorney is up for re-election this coming year, 2024? This case is going to take at least a year to work its way through the court. What happens if they've had some vile sex offenses in that county and they want to make a statement about how tough they are on sex offenders? There's too many variables. And she sunk her own ship. And she did it by opening those loose lips. That's really a mess. It looks like it's... It's Tybee Island. I found a, a piece of it towards the end where the, the cop car camera is looking up at one of the uh, signs of a street nearby. Well, you've been there many times. Can you describe that? I've never been there, even though I'm from Georgia. Uh, I mean, I love Tybee. Honestly, I, I go there as often as I possibly can. I just I just love it that it's, uh, it's I, a it's an island, so it's kind of challenging to get to as it being an island i mean there's just a road that goes in and out but it's just a really chilled chilled out place uh you get uh i don't know it, it's a preferred place the water is super warm watch out for jellyfish towards the end of the year it's one of my favorite beaches 
Not big waves, though, because it's a barrier island. It has stuff in front of it blocking. But now we're not talking about like Panama City Beach or or Jacksonville or someplace where there's lots of people. We're talking about a relatively small population, right? Pretty much, yeah. It's pretty low. Yeah. Pretty low key. So it might be that it's a relatively rural county. I know nothing about this. That's why I was it's asking Ch people. It could be Chatham County. I, I'm not sure if that's the exact right county. That's at least nearby. That's Savannah. I'm not sure if uh, Tybee falls into that same county. But uh, but she's at the mercy. It's 30-ish minutes. It's 30 minutes east of Savannah, if that's if that helps any. Oh, yeah, it's totally Tybee. I'm doing, I'm doing maps view. It's totally Tybee. Yeah, she's totally at the mercy of finding a, uh, a, a prosecutor that's going to have some compassion. And I would prefer to be in a position of, if, if I call up the district attorney and say, you know, we got this case and it's kind of ugly, and yeah, I'm going to make you do a lot of work. You know, here's what I need. I think I can get a plea, but if you don't get a plea, you're going to bring those witnesses from Idaho, and we're going to do a three-day trial on this. <laughs> so, or however long I can drag out the trial. And uh, I'm going to make the trial take as long as possible. If so um, somebody in chat wrote, some of her statements could be categorized as spontaneous utterance. Is that is that a legal term, Larry? I've heard of it. I've never actually seen any success of people uh, uh, using, I think it's called excited utterance. Uh, okay, but, that's fair. That but, seems similar. Yeah, but I think I think I've heard of that, but I don't remember any interplay where a motion has been granted on that in my legal career. That, but yes, I've heard of an excited utterance. And then also, <laughs> uh, a longtime patron wrote. By the way, regarding this story, it'd also be nice if the cops across the board had a bit more discretion. It's clear this woman didn't believe that she was being watched and was trying, and and that she was also not trying to be lewd in public. Do, do you think that factors into all that's going down? Well, this is the downside of technology. Uh, <laughs> when when cops used a lot of that discretion, it was when they were had far less monitoring. Like right now, I just heard our sheriff on the radio on KKLB Friday talking about in it in real time he said i can watch my entire deputy staff in real time and i can turn on their cameras he said they will know i can turn on their body cams so i can watch what they're doing and he said we can rather than having to send out a a, a a supervisor he said we can guide the officers in real time well being that everything is so well documented now a lot of discretion that used to be allowed in the field has been taken away because you know every move of yours is being tracked and subject to review and scrutiny. So technology has its downside as well. And I think that oh, without in, a doubt. in yesteryear, there would have probably been an officer that would have felt sorry for and say, you know, get off the beach, don't come back here. If I see you here, we're going to have trouble. But, you know, this kind of thing doesn't go on here. But today... But because all, it's all now camera'd, and I'm saying that as a verb, because it's camera'd, they have to then write the paperwork and now we've she's created work for them and it's documented they have to follow through or else they're not doing their job and beyond that maybe the maybe the command was watching this in real time and that officer wasn't at liberty to say oh well i'm just gonna let you go and turn the blind eye because what happens when his when his supervisor is watching his cam in real time mm. Mm -mm -mm. <sighs> <laughs> This is this is awful, Larry. I, I don't like this for so many reasons. I think it's obviously she made a dumb decision, but like come I, I wrote in chat, Larry, that it would be okay for you to walk down uh Bourbon Street 
drunk off your ass and puke all over the place, that would be okay. Maybe you get something of drunk and disorderly that would be a misdemeanor and like you go sit in a drunk tank overnight. But she's going to potentially end up on the registry for the rest of her life. I'm, af I'm afraid that could happen in this case because of it's such a slam dunk. It's almost a slam dunk if I've ever seen one. It is a two-year-old. Now that I'm, so now we know that it's Tybee, and it's 2021-07, so it's June of 21. So it's still, I mean, that's two, two, um, two and a half years ago. It should have probably resolved itself by now. Now we'll have to do is do a reverse. All you gurus out there that know how to use, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what do you call it, photo recognition? Lex oh, okay. Uh, yeah, take think, uh, couldn't we find a case in Tybee where someone? Did naughty things on the beach at five o'clock in the afternoon? Well, but on the first of but Ju July. But I'm saying do do photo recognition. What is it called when you take convert a photo to a name, and then we'll figure out who she is, and then we can check the court document for her. Reverse image search, but I don't know that we're going to be able to do that. Oh, we've Anywho, we've right. got we've got people out there that know how to do that. Brent used to do that when he was alive. Brent he, was clearly better than me. So yes. <sighs> okay, can we move along? Yeah, let's do at least one article. Yeah, we got we got time for one. It's fifty two minutes. All right. Do you want to do the New Jersey Monitor one or the Supreme Court or the other one? Let's see. Uh, New Jersey Monitor. Bill to advance and uh, oh. ban on jury service. Oh, I have to do I have to do the prison's right to vote because I've got my favorite track in this one. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, let me make sure that I pull this one up. Yeah, okay, I have this one. So Democratic lawmakers unveil bill to give people in US prisons the right to vote. That, that one? one? Yes. Very well. A Democratic U.S. Representative, uh, Ayanna Presley. Boy, I hope I didn't mess that name up. Ayanna, A-Y-A-N-N-A. -A -N -N -A, Ayanna Presley. And U.S. Senator Peter Welch on Wednesday unveiled a bill that, if passed, would grant, grant the right to vote nationwide to people who had been in prison or were currently in prison. The right to vote is sacred in America, and it's essentially to sit, essential to citizenship. I'll try that again. The right to vote is sacred in America, and it's essential to citizenship. And all citizens deserve a voice in our democracy. Presley told reporters, "Do you think, Larry, does this have any chance of passing?" <laughs> This bill is very unlikely to advance um, in the House. I think it could possibly get through the Senate, but even that's doubtful because of the 60 vote. You know, you need you need to get past cloture. But in the House, uh, this has virtually no chance because Republicans narrowly control the House of Representatives, and bipartisanship is so hard to come by. And you know, there's this fear of that people have been in prison, it's automatically going to be a Democrat party vote. And I just don't see that that would happen. Uh, uh, and the lawmakers uh, themselves that sponsor this, they even acknowledge the headwinds uh, to the legislation. I didn't mention it, but this article is from Reuters. And then Presley referred to her family's history with the criminal justice system, mentioning that while she was growing up, her father had addiction issues and had been incarcerated before going to become an author and professor. Welch noted that his state of Vermont was one of the few places in the country where people do not lose the right to vote, even when they are incarcerated, along with Maine and Washington, D.C. Damn liberal places. I know. Isn't it disgusting? Terrible. <laughs> According to the article, the laws surrounding voting, 
and incarceration are a patchwork across the U.S., though in recent years some states have moved to loosen prohibitions on voting for people who have been incarcerated or who are currently serving a prison sentence. And actually, we're moving in that direction as well to try to extend the vote to people that are incarcerated. States may bar voting uh, for people who are currently in prison for a period of time after release, and that's becoming less common. And, and but for certain crimes or require additional waiting period or governor's pardon. And I think that's what happens in Virginia. I think that, that each person has to be pardoned by the governor and they require additional actions like payment of fines. Like you remember what happened in Florida when the, when the citizens uh, uh, passed the <laughs> Yes, they overturned amendment four. The citizens voted to amend their constitution and I guess repeal amendment four and then Congress in the state legislated all these hoops and barriers to get yourself the right to vote back. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, we are moving in that direction here. We already have the right to vote when you've served your sentence. It's automatically restored, no pardon, nothing needed here. But we're trying to extend it to when you're released from prison. There's not enough support to have votes taken while people are in prison the election officials and there's too many hoops of you know how you would do it fairly and you know it's it's very controversial of, of trying to set up polls in prison but there's a fair amount of support here to let people vote upon release before they've discharged your obligations and i think we're going to get that passed in the next couple of years uh nearly five million people in the u.s are directly affected by these policies so that would be people actually behind bars and then people on some level of supervision and then in the case uh, of florida even after you're done with everything you're still I, at most places probably like a handful of places still in the south are where even if you've ever been locked up you are barred from voting that presley said that at huh that would be correct yeah okay um presley said adding that black americans were disproportionately affected the united states is the country with the highest number and second highest rate of people in prison in the world according to the national institute of corrections black americans are imprisoned at five times the rate of white americans according to the sentencing project an advocacy group and you say this cannot pass i don't see with the current makeup of congress unless we were able to persuade a lot of conservatives to join in and they just are reluctant they believe it translates to democrat votes and i think they're wrong my personal opinion is a lot of people in prisons are very conservative and a lot of people in our advocacy are very conservative and they would never vote for a democrat ever but that's the perception you know this is a plot to get uh, millions of Democrats on the voter rolls. It's kind of like immigration reform. One of the reasons why we cannot do immigration reform, although it's badly needed in the business community, is, is saying, please do immigration reform. We can't hire workers. We don't have enough bodies. It's controversial from the Democratic side because they say it's a plot to drive down wages by big business. And the conservatives say it's a plot by the Democrat Party to flood the nation with, with voters that are vote democratic, so you just can't pass this. And I, I don't see this passing in the current political climate that it, as it exists. So even 10-ish, it was probably 12 or 13 years ago, I read an article in Reason Magazine that laid out per capita, and the U.S. is by far number one as far as the number of people in the country for, uh, compared to the number of people incarcerated. And we were twice as high as country number two and country number two was Russia. 
Yeah, I think I remember showing that in a in a presentation I did in Dallas. I think you might have been there. Were that you? wasn't the no 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 the one no I wasn't in Dallas the the one that there was the one that you put something up there and you lie. <laughs> no, I did I did the I had uh, uh, visual aids showing the rate of incarceration and I said you know and it was in Dallas I said now here we are in in Texas and I said the southern states pride themselves on how much smarter they are and how much more common sense they have than the rest of the country and I showed the rate of incarceration on the bar graph of the southern states. And they were in the highest. So I did the five highest and I did the five lowest, which are typically thought of as being liberal states like Vermont and up in the northeast, Massachusetts. And I said, now, what confuses me? I'm here standing in Dallas, Texas, and you guys are in the top five of your rate of incarceration. And the South is in the top five. I said, so I would like to ask, does that mean Southerners are inherently more criminal, prone to criminal behavior? Or does that mean that the liberal states have found suitable alternatives? incarceration and i didn't get a lot of applause when i asked that question i can understand that i i mean again larry i understand i don't understand you don't under i would have thought i would have gotten tons <laughs> of applause because i was showing them factual yes. stuff <laughs> but but i didn't yeah facts don't matter because there's always alternate facts larry i know you got to watch out for the alternate facts I know, but is there is there anything else before we go, Larry? No, we have one more episode, and now I think we're going to have a couple of weeks hiatus, maybe for the Christmas and New Year's holidays. Certainly for Christmas, because I think Saturday is Christmas. I think, I think. Oh no, 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 no. Monday is Christmas, but still, twenty third, not going to have an episode. So next week, and I don't, and then the thirtieth, Larry. I mean, New Year's Eve isn't until the next night. I think we can make it, but maybe not. We'll see. All right. We'll just make sure the audience knows so that they don't cancel more patrons. I've run off quite a few already, apparently. Yes, I believe so. Well, as always, everyone, thank you very much for listening and supporting. And please share it with those around you. We uh, we would certainly love to grow the audience. And uh, it means a lot if we can have a much more bigger audience. And uh, so the show notes can be found over at registrymatters.co. And then, of course, go over to Patreon dot com slash registry matters to become a patreon supporter which is very much appreciated go find your podcast app of choice itunes or others and leave a review so that that looks favorably upon us as well um but there's a youtube channel that you can subscribe to larry loves watching that number go up and down and uh i hope everybody has a great rest of their weekend and if it's tuesday for you when you're listening to this have a great week and we'll talk to you next weekend but then not the one after that anything else did i miss anything you didn't miss a thing Perfect. Have a great night, my friend. Good night. You've been listening to FYP.